At Team Toyota, now's the chance to build your next new Toyota exactly how you want it. So get the process started and reserve yours today. Or find a certified used Toyota or budget-friendly used car of any make. And if you're looking to keep your current vehicle safely on the road, they have a fast, friendly, and efficient service center. Need to fix that dent or make that bumper repair? Their collision center can restore your car back to like-new condition. Or take your current vehicle to the next level with custom accessories like new rims, tint, and more. Just visit TeamToyota.net for more info. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey everybody, welcome to the Phillies Talk Podcast. I'm Corey Seidman and he's Jim Salisbury. Uh, sorry for the delay in episodes. Jim was down in Clearwater last week and I was actually getting over being sick. But here we are, we're back. And uh, Jim, while you were in Florida, MLB and the Players Association were also uh, heading down to continue negotiations of the lockout. And it seems like there hasn't been a ton of progress made this week, but I guess it's some semblance of progress. The fact that these sides are meeting in person again, there's this, you know, contingent of players, including Max Scherzer and some other high profile names that are down there in Jupiter on the other coast of Florida. Uh, What do you make of this? Do you sense that a deal could be imminent? We're really nearing the end of February here, which would um, kind of determine whether or not the season could start on time. Yeah. I'm not feeling like a deal is imminent though. I I guess like everybody else, I'm feeling that the two sides are, are, displaying more urgency uh, really wish they would have shown it in December uh, right before our owners called for the lockout players made a proposal owners waited 43 days to respond. I mean, that's not urgency. So the reason we're feeling urgency now is the clock is ticking. They've already moved back spring training games. And, you know, the commissioner is on record as saying that the players would probably need 28 days Uh, of spring training if they're going to open the season on time. And if you do the math, they would need an agreement here in the next, you know, handful of days, five or six days for that to happen. Um, Monday is the 28th of February. You don't get an agreement by like the first or second of March. It's going to be tough to pull off opening day. So um, the very real possibility that the regular season is going to be altered uh, is, is, you know, uh, coming at us pretty quickly and that should be really scary in a place like Philadelphia because uh you know the 94 95 uh labor problems you know it uh was a it, it caused a lot of um pain here in Philadelphia it coincided with uh uh the team moving toward a rebuild and and baseball uh the Phillies weren't very good uh 96 97 even in, into the early 2000s and they were in, in an aging stadium that they were trying to get out of, but also uh, I think um, the residue of the strike really, really hurt here in Philadelphia and fans were slow to come back. And, you know, uh, I, I wonder the effect of uh, that it's going to have in Philadelphia 
um, because you know that's where we live. That's the team we cover. That's the team we're we're, we're focused on. I, I wonder what what um, an altered regular season is is um, what impact that's going to have on, on on the fans because you know you have a hot, really hot NBA team with with big names that is expected to um, make uh, a run, probably you know possibly right and in, maybe into the beginning of summer. Uh, and, and, you know, where's the baseball team going to fit in? Um, you know, uh, the Phillies have an MVP, but all we hear about, and rightfully so right now, is is the potential NBA NBA MVP in, in Joel Embiid. Um, so the big picture, the, you know, the global labor strife, uh, I think could really, really – impact this team in this city uh they haven't been to the postseason in a decade uh you know you couple it all with uh you know the style of play has become a chore to watch in major league baseball the game's taking forever um and uh they gotta get this settled because you can't give kids more reason to pick up a lacrosse stick <laughs> they gotta get this settled they're, they're still far apart on a number of important issues and i wonder if they would be a lot closer if they had shown urgency earlier in the winter. But here we are. Um, they're meeting every day. Um, the impression I get is there's a small group of owners that are really dug in um, and um, are holding their, the ground. And there's a um, solid, almost maybe 100% solid group of players that are really um, dug in about, you know, changing the system here because they didn't like the last CBA. So um, don't know where things are going, but it just doesn't seem to me that they're making enough progress that all of a sudden next Monday, everybody's going to wake up and say, Hey, we got a deal, get to Florida, get to Arizona, get ready for your seasons. Uh, I hope that's the case. Um, but I don't know. They're far apart on luxury tax. They're far apart on that bonus pool. Um, and, um, to me, those are still really, really big ones because, uh, you know, the players see that um, CBA, uh, I'm sorry, CBT, the competitive balance tax, luxury tax. They see it as a, as a de facto uh, salary cap, putting a drag on salaries. And um, they want their guys, you know, to receive more money at, at earlier in their career. And that's where that bonus pool comes in. And um, so a couple, you know, there's, there's big issues that remain there, Corey. Yeah, one of these issues is, you know, as you said, getting players paid earlier. And the players had been seeking that 80% of second-year players would be arbitration eligible as opposed to the 22% that it's been for the last yeah. decade. That's a big gap between 22% and 80%. I saw that in the latest report, the players uh, had, had shifted that down to 75%, but that's still a sizable gap. I just want to get back to what you said at the beginning there. Why do you think it took 43 days? I mean, is that – common sense would have said, okay – Get in a room, even if you're not physically there next to each other, get on Zoom, try to work this out. Is that leverage? Is that one side saying, no, I'm going to let you come to me? I don't know why it took 43 days. I'd like an explanation on that at some point. Uh, I think a lot of people would. Um, I, I just think in any negotiation, a deadline drives deals, you know, and there was just uh, I think both sides were probably lulled a little bit into uh, saying uh, that we got time here. And, uh, and they did have time, uh, and it just it just it lacked urgency because there was no deadline looming. Um, you know, I, I also think it would probably in that 43 days it was sort of this test of wills. Uh, you wanted to see where both sides 
lined up and were both sides uh, how how um, you know committed to their to their um, how dug in they were and um, probably each side waiting for each other to you know crack a little bit and, and pick up the phone and, and nobody did and and that's unfortunate now um, you know players they have these biological clocks inside their minds and they're starting to report to you know warmer weather um they're working out they're throwing bullpens they're hitting they're, they're you know their bodies are telling them they should be in spring training and um but it's it's um it's sadly fascinating how this is going to play out you know i wish we weren't in this situation but i'm really um interested to see how they're gonna how, how they're gonna solve this third this thing and i'm also fairly incredulous that both sides would um, even consider doing the potential damage they could do to their, their game and their industry by altering uh, the regular season um, at, at a time when the game has a, a whole slew of problems. Uh, you're going you're gonna to create more and, and you're going to mess with the golden goose here. Um, you know, for all its problems, it's still <laughs> – you know, it still generates the second biggest revenues in professional sports behind the behemoth that is the NFL. Um, and it, it, it's it's really it's uh, astounding that they would risk doing damage to this at a time when the game is already vulnerable. But that's the that's the place we're in. Yeah, and this isn't fun for anybody. It's not fun for the fans. It's not fun for the people covering it. It's not fun for the players or the owners. Uh, we talked about this recently, I think, but. You know, when you add the expanded playoff field element into this all, how deep into the year could this season go? I mean, if they try to play 162 games to avoid losing any money in the regular season, and then there's an extra round of the playoffs, like we could have baseball in mid-November, which is another thing I would think the league wants to avoid, you know, particularly in, in cold weather cities. Yeah, baseball shouldn't be played in November. That's recovery time. But um, to play out a full season, you know, they might have to. Um, maybe they have to move um, – playoff venues to warmer spots or, or, um, or even domes. you know, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I guess you could see some type of an alteration for, for the 2022 season. Uh, if they want to get all the games in, and I'm sure the players are going to want to get all the games in because that's how they make hundred percent of their salaries. That was a big hang up in 2022 when they, uh, that was the big hang up. Um, when there was labor strife uh, in the pandemic season, how many games are going to play? How much salary are they going to miss? Um, so that's just another thing they're going to have to uh, figure out. All right. Well, from the boardrooms back to the diamond, you were down in Clearwater last week where the Phillies had a group of their prospects down there working out uh, some big names like, you know, Mick Abel and Andrew Painter, the recent first round picks. You also wrote about several of the different, you know, Phillies infield prospects. The first one I want to ask you about is Casey Martin, who was a high draft pick by the Phillies, I believe, in 2020, the year that the draft was shortened. Mm -hmm. And when he was selected, he was one of those guys that the consensus was, you know, had he stayed completely healthy, he could have gone even earlier. Uh, what did you make of talking to Casey Martin, and, and what do you think that he has a chance to do in 2022? Well, I, I watched him work out a little bit, spoke with him. I mean, I think you really have to, like – his intangibles, he's kind of like got that uh, grinder gamer uh, mentality, you know, loves to play. It kind of exudes a, a love for the game. Um, 
Not a big guy, only about 5'10", but, you know, in that package are some blinding tools, the explosiveness and the and the speed. Um, he had that really huge freshman year at Arkansas, helped him get to the College World Series. He finished second. And, um, and then he, in some areas, not all areas, uh, in some areas tapered off in his sophomore season. You know, the strikeouts mounted, the contact went down. Um, he set a really high bar for himself as a freshman. He just wasn't really able to match it in all areas as a sophomore and a junior. Played his entire junior season with a, a bad hand after having handmade surgery. So I think you have to take that into consideration. But, you know, I really liked the pick when the Phillies took him in the third round in 2020 just because, um, the, the you know, the tools are so good, so explosive. It's, it's not a – he's not a – Big package, but he's strong. He's got some power. He's got defensive versatility. Um, you know, his base running is is really great. So um, last year, more injury problems, uh, bone spurs in his ankle. That's been corrected. So as he turns 23 here, it's kind of a big season for him, um, kind of one of those show-me seasons uh, when you're going to probably go back to A-ball. And, you know, you need to start moving your career so uh, they can gauge – you know, where you are and what you might uh, going to be. So um, I think with good health, um, he's adjusted to the pro game a little bit. Uh, like I said, the tools are good. The package is good. The baseball IQ is really good. A lot of folks are kind of interested to see him this year in 2020. And you can count me on that list. Uh, he's, I think he's a 100% ball player, real ball player, sort of a Dustin Pedroia type um, that, you know, if if it clicks, you're going to have something – Something pretty good. So I'm be watching him as he probably starts. I would say maybe Jersey Shore, and um, I, I think that I would imagine the hope uh, for him and that he has and the team has that maybe plays himself into consideration for a promotion uh, later in the season. But it's it's kind of that year that uh, well, he missed the pandemic year. Last year was his first year, but you know he he's he's at that age and at that you know time in pro ball where he needs to kind of you know make his mark a little bit. Um, and where you have to, you know, take the tools and, and turn it into actual performance and excite people with your play, not just your tools. So um, in, in, interesting guy, and we'll be watching him in uh, 2022. He was one of about 60 guys down there at the at the minor league uh, facility for this minor league mini camp. They got a whole load of middle infielders that are very intriguing um, the young player that they signed out of Taiwan last uh, summer, um, you know, uh, Jamari Baylor is an interesting guy. Um, uh, they have a young guy named Alexi Azue uh, from um, from Latin America who can really hit. Um, and, of course, you have Bryson Stott who, um, you know, once they get this thing settled, he's not on the 40-man roster, so he's eligible to participate in that minicamp. You know, he's going to get a really good look in in, in big league camp. So, um, you know, a lot of pretty good-looking players down there um, and some pitchers with uh, the thing that jumps out to you about some of their pitching prospects is the size. You know, Abel at 6'5", Painter at, gosh, he's – Six seven, I'd say. The strong-bodied kid uh, named Pena. Watched him throw some bullpens, uh, and and you know, just a bunch of other other uh, big guys with 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 big arms. And uh, so, 
Um, it's always fun to peek in on minor league camp. There's always a lot of activity, even in normal years. And it was um, it was just good to see a little baseball last week. Hopefully, we'll be able to see some more here coming up soon. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Yeah, I bet. I mean, those first videos that you sent back from the field, just seeing the sunshine, seeing guys in uniform on a baseball field and hearing the, the crack of the bat, that was something that we all miss. I mean, in a normal world, uh, pitchers and catchers would have reported last week. Yeah. Uh, Phillies would have been playing their first spring training game. I think it was Saturday against the Yankees this upcoming Saturday, but now there will be no games until at least March 5th. You ran through some of the infield prospects the Phillies have. The one who is farthest along, it seems, is Bryson Stott, who right. uh, has a chance to win that shortstop job or a job somewhere with the Phillies uh, in 2022. He's 24 years old, so this is a big year for him as well. We're not talking about like a 20-year-old kid. This is someone yeah. who was drafted three summers ago out of college, and Phillies have very high expectations for him. What did you, uh, what did you get a chance to talk to Stott about down there? Just, you know, um, you know, Dave Dombrowski, the president of Baseball Ops, um, you know, he added a very intriguing element to the Bryson Stark uh, story back in uh, October, November, when, you know, he was quite clear that um, that he had told D.D. Gregorius he needs to play better on both sides of the ball. And, and he took it even a step further by, you know, disclosing that he had a conversation with Stott, um, that he should come to big league camp with the mindset of winning a job. And, uh, so that created a, a spring training battle whenever we see spring training. Uh, I fully expect Didi Gregorius and, uh, to be their opening day shortstop. I think he'll come into camp um, uh, with, with resolve uh, about, you know, showing people that he's better than he was last year. I think he'll come in healthy. He had his elbow cleaned out a little bit. So I, I think you, you you open with him, and I think you know I think more time in AAA certainly wouldn't hurt Stott, and I would imagine it would benefit him. And you know I think it's it would probably be a good idea to send him to AAA and have him you know turn on the Jets, and if that lights a fire under DD, then it, you know it's win win. Uh, but I do expect Stott to be here somewhere in 2022, get a look, plays three infield positions, swings a pretty good stick, um, Segura. He's entering the final year of his contract. Gregorius is entering the final year of his contract. Bohm is your third baseman, but they don't know if he's going to be their first baseman down the road or, or what, and he's certainly not proven at the big league level. So there'll be a lot of opportunity for Bryson Stott to, you know, get some looks in 2022 and really kind of take hold of something and, and, and be the player they hope in 2023. So, uh, And he seems ready for all those challenges. Had a really good, really good year. 
or um, you know, six weeks in the Arizona Fall League. And I was impressed by that because coming off your minor league season, it's a grind to begin with and to, to play another six weeks and, and not miss a beat. Uh, pretty impressive. I mean, he played 26 games. He reached, reached base in all 26 games. Uh, had, you know, a dozen more walks than strikeouts. I think he hit close to 300, showed some pop. Had, had a really good run out there. So it's now, now it's up to him to, to build on a strong minor league season in 20. 20 uh, in 22 uh, here and, and see where it takes them. Stott has a skill set the Phillies could really use at this point. I mean, when you look at this projected lineup and the Phillies still have holes to fill, but no one other than Bryce Harper is a really plus on base percentage guy. I mean, I know Reese Hoskins throughout his career has been, wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily the case in 2021 when it kind of traded some of that selectivity for an increase in power. I mean, beyond Harper, nobody, no other returning Philly had even a 350 on base percentage last year. Andrew McCutcheon was one of the other guys who you could count on to take his walks. That's kind of a skill set that Stott has shown throughout the minors that maybe he'll hit you 280 with an on base percentage 90 to 100 points higher than that. So that's definitely the profile of a player they could use. It also kind of speaks to why they were so interested in Kyle Schwarber before the lockout began. I mean, he's another guy who combines that pop uh, with the selectivity. Yeah, they gotta they gotta get some some guys on the sacks. Last year was a big problem at the top of the order. I know Segura had a good year, um, but you know his base hits are going to drive his on base percentage. Uh, I think uh, I'd have to relook it up, but I, I, wrote, I looked it up late in the season and wrote about it. They, I believe, they were had the second worst or worst leadoff on base percentage last year in the majors and like the second worst in the number two hole in on base percentage. So you combine those, that's that's not a lot of table setting in front of uh, Hoskins and Harper and, and Real Mudo and, and, and others. So, they, you know, they really need to improve that uh, if they're going to score more runs uh, this, this season. Yeah, and that kind of explains how you can have an MVP, a guy play at such a high level all year like Harper, and then have a relatively low RBI total and, you know, the team missed the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Jim, there's a, there's a big piece of news uh, going around right now that maybe Freddie Freeman might not be going back to the Braves. Uh, you know, when the offseason began, I think it was the widespread assumption that they were going to do whatever it takes to re-sign Freeman. He's been there a dozen years. He was drafted by them in 2007, 2020 MVP, 2021 World, World Series champion, and just the face of the franchise. Chipper Jones was on an Atlanta radio station last week, and this is what he said. He said, I haven't talked to Freddie in quite some time, but I'm sure he's probably a little frustrated this wasn't done in spring training last year. The fact of the matter is we didn't have any fans in the stands. We've got owners that didn't know where revenue was going to be at the end of the year and maybe held out a little bit. The bottom line is, Freddie, I believe, before it's all said and done, will be playing where he wants to play. I know he's a West Coast guy. I know he has a home here in Atlanta. But Freddie, if he wants to play for the Atlanta Braves, he will be playing for the Atlanta Braves. I'll leave it at that. Kind of implying the ball's in their court. Uh, there was a report that Freeman's seeking a deal of six years in length. He's 32 years old. That would carry him into a season where he would turn 39 during the year. So there's obvious concerns. Still playing at an extremely high level. Hasn't lost a step in any regard. But first off, I mean, I just wanted to see what you thought about this. Uh, you know, there's multiple ways to interpret it. Maybe that's that's really happening and there's a danger of the Braves not retaining him. Could also be a way for maybe Chipper to uh, help his boy get some get paid a little more. Yeah, I didn't see anything definitive uh, or hear anything definitive in Chipper's comments. Uh, kind of, you know, the door is open and Freddie's listening. And I'm not surprised he wants six years. He, to me, he should want six years. And the Braves, you know, should go six years. 
I mean, I'm not trying to spend their money for them, but you know, this is a club icon, a guy who's going to have his number on the wall over there someday and go to Cooperstown with an A on his hat, help them win a World Series as an MVP. Um, when I look at Freddie Freeman, I think there's a guy who has five good years left, don't you? Absolutely. Then why wouldn't you go six? If that's what he wants, you go six and you get it done. Uh, you always have to look where these stories are coming from and who might be be behind them and what their agenda is and um, uh, if they're trying to drive prices up or, you know, uh, trying to, you know, if it's about negotiating leverage. And um, I still think, I, I, look, I'd be surprised if Freddie Freeman isn't in a Braves uniform um, come – whenever this thing gets going. Um, are his ears open to other places? They should be. That's smart negotiating. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick where I've been since we started talking about this months ago. I think both sides know how important they are to each other. And, um, you know, I, I do know revenues were down during the pandemic, but, you know, the Braves just coming off a World Series, and they have a really dynamic uh, group of young players that are still there and very much – uh, as a team, they're still on their winning curve, and I think I think they need Freddie Freeman to be the glue that brings it all together. I'd be surprised if he's not back there, but uh, I've been surprised before. Well, you've got four other teams in the division crossing their fingers because <laughs> that would I mean that would shift the balance of power in the NL East, would it not? I'm not saying that it would uh, cause the Braves to you know become a third place team or something, but we've had the yeah. conversation over the years: who's the best player in the NL East? and inevitably one of us, whether it's you, me, Ricky Batalico, whoever says Freddie Freeman, if you take that bat out of the middle of that lineup, I know they have a ton of talent around him, but change things. Oh, no question. He's that good. They would really miss him, but I still think they'd be uh, a, a really good team. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm sure the other teams are hoping that he ends up somewhere else um, because he is that good. I mean, geez, he kills the Phillies. I mean, Look up his numbers sometimes against the Phillies. He just always seems to rise to the occasion and have big hits against the Phillies. And, um, so that's one team that would be happy to see him go. But you know what? I will believe it when I see it. Well, it is worth mentioning the Braves, uh, if you look at the, the websites that track payrolls, they're only $3 million shy of their opening day payroll from last year, which was by far their highest opening day payroll ever. So they're not a notoriously – like wheeling and dealing and free spending team. They keep their own guys. They've done a great job of that. Albies, Acuna, locking up Freeman to that team-friendly deal in the prime of his career, eight years, $135 million to prevent him from going to free agency. I mean, that was an incredible deal. Uh, and teams teams in that those kinds of markets need to make those moves. Yeah, like they, they locked up those two guys. Um, I'm sure, you know, signing Freddie Freeman is going to be a big expenditure, but um, you're talking about a, a franchise player who I think is going to be still be very productive for years to come. Um, if I'm running the Atlanta Braves, I'm trying to get that baby done. All right. Well, we will reconvene early next week when hopefully there's some more clarity here because that's going to be the final few days of February, first few days of March, where the urgency really picks up. If, if four full weeks of spring training, 28 full days of spring training are a necessity, and the regular season begins on March 31st. There really isn't much wiggle room here between now and next week. So thanks for listening to the Phillies Talk Podcast. He's Jim Salisbury. I'm Corey Sivan. Talk next week.
look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.